This is KGNU's Morning Magazine for Thursday, February 2nd of 2023. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Coming up on today's program, the new Center for African and African American Studies formally inaugurated its space on the CU Boulder campus yesterday. The center, known as The Cause, is the first space of its kind on a Colorado University campus. This time on the Cannabis Report, we hear about research from the NIH and Stanford University challenging widely held beliefs about a link between marijuana use and mental health issues. And Radio Nibbles host John Lindorf will be in the studio to catch us up on local food news. A BBC News update is at the bottom of the hour. After that, you can pull up a chair to KGNU's Kitchen Table Talk. Today's guests are Chef Edwin Zoe of Zoe Mama and Chimera Noodle and Chef Eric Skoken of Bramble and Hare and Black Cat Farm. Then at 9.30, Dennis Ryder will be in the Denver studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. All that's still ahead this morning, but first, a look at the headlines with KGNU's Stacey Johnson. Excel Energy customers expressed frustration in a public comment hearing Tuesday. Over 40 people urged the Public Utilities Commission to do something about dramatically higher utility bills. Attendees also pointed out that Excel had record profits in 2022. Customers have seen a doubling or tripling of their energy bills for more than a year ago. State regulators approved a new cost change on Monday, providing as much as a 15% drop for gas bills for February and March. Sandy Schoenhaut, the director of the Colorado Office of the Utility Consumer Advocate, told Colorado Public Radio the drop may not be enough for customers who have fallen behind on their bills. Schoenhaut has said the upcoming price drop is not a result of action by the PUC or Excel as they do not have control over gas commodity prices. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, announced Wednesday that the agency has issued three more citations at Amazon warehouses, including the one in Aurora, Colorado, for failing to keep workers safe from ergonomic hazards. The agency said it opened investigations in Aurora, Nampa, Idaho, and Castleton, New York in August 2022 following referrals from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. OSHA said Amazon exposed warehouse workers to high risk of low back injuries and other musculoskeletal disorders. Among the risks causing the disorders are workers lifting packages with high frequency, handling heavy items, and working long hours to complete assigned tasks. The agency says it's proposing penalties close to $47,000 for the Aurora, Nampa, and Castleton facilities. Amazon has 15 days to respond to the citations and propose penalties. A new study on the 2021 Marshall Fire reveals that urban water systems need to be better prepared to assess damage and chemical contamination caused by wildfires. Jake Crowley has more. The study's findings highlight just how much contamination of water systems occurred during the Marshall Fire. The fire damaged six public drinking water systems across East Boulder County that required millions of dollars to repair. Toxic chemicals leaked into homes where the effects lasted for weeks after the fire. One of the chemicals discovered in Louisville included benzene, which is known to cause cancer. The study also found that damage to pipes and pressure changes due to power shutoffs effectively sucked contaminants from fire sites back into public water systems. The study's lead researcher is Andrew Welton, professor of ecology and environmental engineering from Purdue University. 
Wellen concluded that standard disaster practices are needed for sampling, analyzing, and assessing water system damage and contamination after major wildfire. For KGNU, I'm Jay Crowley. Two Denver Democrats introduced a bill Tuesday in the state Senate that aims to give public sector workers the right to discuss workplace concerns, take part in the political process while off-duty, and organize or join an employee organization, but stops at requiring public employers to negotiate with workers. Jade Kelly, president of Communications Workers of America 7799, a coalition that backs the bill, told the Denver Post Wednesday the legislation will help prevent public sector employers from retaliating against workers who raise concerns about their workplace. The proposed legislation comes after Colorado lawmakers passed a bill last year giving employees in more than half of the state's counties the right to unionize. A bill proposed by the Colorado General Assembly aims to make equine slaughter illegal. KGNU's Jimmy Sirfoss has more. Lawmakers in Colorado proposed the Prohibit Equine Slaughter for Human Consumption Bill, which criminalizes any involvement in horse slaughter for consumption. The violations range from a Class 1 misdemeanor with a minimum $1,000 fine to a Class 4 felony with a mandatory $10,000 penalty. Federal law protects horses from harassment or slaughter, but reports from the New York Times and Colorado lawmakers say that horses are often transported and processed for consumption in Mexico or Canada. Co-sponsor of the bill, Lorena Garcia, told 11 News that over 90% of horses sent to foreign countries for slaughter and consumption are still adoptable and can be service equine in assisted therapy. Some Coloradans rely on horse exportation and worry this bill could affect business. Wyoming lawmakers propose an opposite approach to efforts in Colorado. They say there are too many wild horses, and the more they can gather for slaughter, the best for population control. Both Denver and Cheyenne bills are taking steps through their legislative processes. For KGNU, I'm Jimmy Searfoss. The Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission ruled Wednesday that the Denver Oil and Gas Company, K.P. Kaufman, has failed to make strides in completing projects under a 2021 comprehensive cleanup plan and that the company remains substantially out of compliance after committing multiple violations, including spills. Other violations include leaking flow lines, contaminated soil near a pond and wetlands, and failure to turn in timely and accurate reports. The company also faced allegations of air quality violations in 2020. The commission said if the company does not bring its operations into full compliance within six months, the state will revoke its license to operate. In honor of Black History Month, the Denver Federal Center raised Wednesday morning a pan-African flag over a federal building for the first time in history. Officials at the Denver Federal Center told CBS Denver that the White House had approved the decision. Organizers held events and panel discussions Wednesday regarding the significance of raising the flag. For today's weather forecast, the National Weather Service says skies will be sunny with highs ranging from 42 degrees for Fort Collins and a high near 46 for Denver. Boulder is expected to have a high today of 45 degrees. Winds will be light and variable. Tonight, it will be mostly clear with a low 17 degrees for Fort Collins, 21 degrees for Denver, and 24 degrees for Boulder. For KGNU, I'm Stacy Johnson. You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Shannon Young. CU Boulder yesterday hosted the grand opening of the Center for African and African American Studies, known as The Cause for short. 
It's the first initiative to center and focus Black and African diaspora students at Colorado's flagship university. The event drew a standing room only crowd to its new space in the Mackey Auditorium building and featured speeches and performances from cause members, its student founders, and the student body. Dr. Raylan Rabaka is the director of the cause. This center has three program areas. We have a research program, duh, right? We have a arts program and we obviously have a student services program. And so we want to feature some of the art here. And so next I would like to bring to the stage Hope Scott Labodi. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for coming out tonight and showing your support for something historic here at CU Boulder. What I have prepared for you today is a graduation speech I hopefully get to do this May. I hope you enjoy. Class of 2023. Been saying that since youngins, you and me. I was sitting here writing this so stuck on what to say to y'all the four years of buildup, and I still couldn't fit it all. But I hope that what I prepare for you, you listen to, because I got a lot of information I want to spit to you. See, 2023, you ask me? What do we show, and what does that mean to me? But I'm going to tell you what I can see. I can see strength and power, our confidence as big as the Eiffel Tower. I see pride and joy. I'm confident they cannot destroy. Now something I realized a minute ago was that we've been living in this survival mode. We choose to stay in places that bring comfort without the understanding that if we left that zone, we might heal that dome. Tupac told me one time to avoid the school to prison pipeline. But to me, that's not all he meant, stay with me. With all the negativity, the world sets up for the ones underneath the wealthy. You still are capable and visually manageable to handle every single thing life gambles. See, I like to think in another lifetime I was a queen. But in this lifetime, I am my own king. To my success and progress, making my independence never digress from this thing I call life. Now it's time to get personal, call me real if you will. I don't want to get deep, but man, this road is real steep. We have marched, walked out, spoken up, yelled, and have had moments of silence to fight for our lives. And I'm not here to tell you that it's over. But I do believe we're the generation that plans to turn it over. With that comes pressure that gets wetter the deeper you go. But class of 23, we're the unstoppable, and they know. Our skin is not a weapon. Our minds are not a game. Your gender is not a joke, and your body does not deserve blame. You are an abundance of light when you walk into a room, and your words carry power as if they're a typhoon. See, I don't know your plan, and I can't read your mind, but it's okay to be scared, and it's okay to be fine. This year didn't start off easy for a lot of us. And something I realize is that grief and loss are emotions so generous they feel dangerous, creating a genesis of uneasy handling. 
which can cause you to believe your vulnerability is never landing. But here's some advice to the ones who are always understanding. Careful how you plant your seeds before you water them. Make sure you carry yourself high. Make sure to condemn those who don't respect your gem. Feelings are supposed to be felt. How else can they be dealt? Take the space and time you need for yourself. This life is only lived by oneself. Be accepting of your past and don't let things you can't control harass. You don't need others to make you feel valuable, but please, all I ask is stay fashionable. <laughs> as I leave here today, graduating as I walk away, I want to say thank you to those who have built my virtues as I'm growing into a better person for you to get used to. We have walked through fire, rain, and air, and nothing can compare to the desires, brains, and millionaires I can manifest on this large quest. I'm proud to say I know you, class of 2023, but it's my time to go make history, and all of you just made a victory. Thank you. That was CU Boulder senior Hope Scott Labodi speaking at yesterday's grand opening of the Center for African and African American Studies. You are listening to The Morning Magazine. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Up next is The Cannabis Report. And now it's time for The Cannabis Report here on KGNU Community Radio. I'm Hannah Lee Myers, and I'm joined by longtime cannabis correspondent Leland Rucker. Leland, thank you so much for being here. Always good. So this morning you are going to talk to us about a new study looking at drugs and mental health. Yeah, sort of a lot of different things here. Uh, one of the things that I always hear from anti-cannabis forces is that if you use cannabis, it leads to psychiatric episodes. So I went to the cannabis page of the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, and I got several studies have linked marijuana use to increased risk for psychiatric disorders. But whether and to what extent it actually causes those conditions is not always easy to determine. Okay, I understand that. And they say that research from the National Epidemiological Survey on alcohol and related conditions examined associations between marijuana use, mood and anxiety disorders, and substance use disorders. And after adjusting for various confounding factors, like studies always do, no association between marijuana use and mood and anxiety disorders was found. And yet that's something that constantly comes up. The only significant associations were increased risk of alcohol use disorders, nicotine dependence, marijuana use disorder, and other drug use disorders. So I started thinking about that. The NIH also uh, mentions recent research that's found that certain people who use marijuana and carry a specific variant of the AKT1 gene is uh, at increased risk of developing psychosis. So there might be a connection there. You know, that, that, that's, that's what the study is saying. And now a team of Stanford University investigators evaluated the relationship between the adoption of statewide legalization laws, Colorado's first 10 years ago, and rates of psychosis-related health care claims among 63 million privately insured individuals followed from 2003 to 2017. 
and the authors could not find a statistically significant association of state cannabis policy level with overall rates of psychosis-related diagnoses. So in other words, they couldn't find that actually happening. That's a pretty large sample group, too. It's a huge sample group, 63 million uh, privately insured individuals from 2003 to 2017. And, uh, you know, they also mention alcohol, the NIH does. And it's interesting to me that at the same time, now this is in the state of Colorado, at the same time that we're limiting the amount of marijuana that even medical patients can purchase and use in the state where it first became legal, after all, um, it's easier than ever to obtain alcohol. It's harder to get marijuana, but it's easier to obtain alcohol. You know, uh, Colorado voters said to allow wine to be sold in grocery stores, which follows beer in grocery stores that's already sold there, and you could have it delivered to your door. While cannabis delivery services, you know, they're in and out. And so I find that interesting that we're at that point, especially since American Addiction Centers surveyed more than 1,000 Americans on past substance use and found that 65% reported alcohol as the first drug they tried. 18% said it was marijuana. 65% said it was alcohol. So when compared with marijuana, many don't consider the effects of alcohol beyond the hangover. You know, well, you get a hangover on Sunday morning, you know. And according to a uh, 2021 National Survey on Drug Use and Health, 44% of people struggling with substance abuse have mental health issues. Now, that's a problem. It's definitely a problem. Alcohol is often used as a coping mechanism for stress and anxiety. We see advertisements for that kind of thing. Excessive alcohol use costs the U.S. economy $249 billion annually. This is alcohol. Alcohol abuse is the third leading cause of preventable deaths in the U.S. It kills 140,000 people a year. And we can lower those numbers only when we start talking about our relationship with booze and change how we talk about the people who struggle with it. And that's what I find interesting about what's going on today. Because I even find myself, we still call people addicts, drunks, drug users, uh, when we talk to each other, just in in conversation, we've got to begin to change the language we use when we talk about addiction. And the point here is that we must admit that alcohol is a bigger problem than we give it credit for, and that when we talk about drug usage, alcohol needs to be part of the discussion. Until we do that, we're not going to get very far in this. Definitely still a lot of catching up to do when it comes to the treat marijuana like alcohol part of Amendment 64. So we appreciate you keeping keeping tabs on that for us, Leland. Well, you can catch the Cannabis Report here on KGNU the first and third Thursdays of every month. And Leland, thanks again for keeping us in the loop. Thank you. For KGNU, I'm Hanley Myers. Ah, yes, Cab Calloway and the aroma of coffee means it's time for Radio Nibbles with John Lindorf. Good morning, John. Good morning, and uh, welcome everyone around the uh, gigantic uh, uh, KGNU uh, 
breakfast table where we gather every week to talk about food. And um, for Radio Nibbles today, there's just a lot of uh, local news that's uh, really uh, interesting to me. Uh, you all know about the uh, James Beard Awards. Uh, these are like the, uh, the Oscars of the, the chef and restaurant world. And uh, coincidentally, the James Beard Awards and the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame both announced their semifinalists. Semifinalist lists, in part, are designed to um, appease and make people happy, you know? Uh, because, for instance, I don't think Born Zevon is actually going to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And a lot of the people who get nominated as semifinalists for the Beards, you know, maybe, maybe in a few years, the... But the, it's it's a way of recognizing more people without giving them an award. You're almost there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, we're very excited because uh, in the James Beard uh, semifinalists is uh, Kelly Whitaker uh, in the Outstanding Restaurateur category, which is different than the chef. Um, his group of uh, restaurants includes Basta and Dry Storage in Boulder and uh, Wolf's Taylor and Brudeau in Denver. Um, under the Best Chef Mountain semifinalist, Michael Diaz de, de Leon is, is the chef at Brudeau, so he's in there too. I'm excited because uh, someone I met years ago when she was a sous chef, uh, Dana Rodriguez, is uh, nominated for Outstanding Chef. She has a very cool uh, Mexican restaurant called uh, Super Mega Bien. Which is very good. She's take, but she's taking over uh, Casa Bonita. Yes, exactly. And, and people are laughing, going, "Oh man, you know Casa Bonita." And I'm going, "The food is going to be good." And uh, by the way, folks, if you're interested, they're hiring 500 people. Yeah. So you know, if you want to be a cliff diver, no, actually, those jobs are already taken anyway. <laughs> um, some of the other local James Beard semifinalists. Uh, there's a category called Emerging Chef. Um, Bo uh, Porico of Misfit Snack Bar in Denver uh, is nominated in that. Uh, there's a new restaurant nominee in Alamosa, Friar's Fork. I, you know, that's the first time Alamosa has gotten that kind of notice. And one of my favorite people is nominated for Best Baker, Ismael D'Souza, who runs Reunion Bread Company in uh, Denver. Okay, well, back here in Boulder, uh, I received a press release that there's a, a school that's reopening or, or it's it's doing some something new well it's uh, returning to the old this is another sign that the the pandemic is lessening to the point that we can get together to learn stuff um, the uh, Auguste Escoffier School of Culinary Arts in Table Mesa uh, which I actually taught classes at when it was the oh. cook, when it was the cooking school of the Rockies okay uh, but uh, once again they're open they're offering uh, cooking classes for uh, home cooks it's really a wonderful facility it's a hands-on thing and since they're training chefs there you know you actually you know you really have the equipment anyway they got a bunch of classes coming up that might be interesting they're doing Spanish tapas on February 10th and uh, Mexican street tacos on February 11th, and Southern Comfort Food, and a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, check it out. That's the uh, Escoffier School. And um, another thing that's starting back up, Stout Month. You know, it's uh, they finally, years years out in afterwards, um, Stout Month is back at Mountain Sun, and that's a good sign, too, with 38 uh, different stouts available. I'm guessing that was before my my time in Boulder. 
it's, it's yeah, back I, from, no, I remember yeah. when it started, and I'm going, really? You can just sit there and, and taste 10 stouts, but that's actually very hard. <laughs> well, John, uh, we are about to go into the very extensive kitchen table talk. You have your special guest out yeah. in the, the hallway, but we are winding down the morning magazine portion of our AM News Block. So I just have to ask you. What's the best thing you've eaten lately? I visited a new coffee shop in uh, Louisville. It's called uh, Luca, L-U-C-C-A. And I had a uh, wonderful muffaletta sandwich there. I also tasted some artichoke uh, focaccia and a, a blondie with chocolate chips. And uh, it's, a, it's a neat, sunny uh, little uh, coffee shop, Luca. Okay, well, you can catch John's writings and his nibbles columns. That's at the Boulder Weekly. And you can also listen to podcasts of this show and past Radio Nibbles at news at kgnu.org. And don't go anywhere, because in two minutes, we're going to start Kitchen Table Talk, and we have a remarkable convergence of chefs, Dan Asher, Eric Skoken, and Edwin Zoe. That's all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host, Shannon Young. Special thanks to Stacey Johnson, Jake Crowley, Alyssa Palazzo, Jimmy Searfoss, Alexis Kenyon, Hannah Lee Myers, Leland Rucker, and John Lindorf for their contributions to today's program. Again, like you just heard, stay tuned for Kitchen Table Talk. That's going to be coming up right on the other side of the BBC News headlines. <laughs>